Hello and welcome along to the Unplugged Pod, where each week we explore everything to do with switching off in a world that's always on. I'm David, and alongside me, as ever, is Mr. Unplugged, Hector Hughes. And today we're joined by Ben Sol Garner. He's a man of many talents, running the global agency Attachment, as well as Rebel Book Club. Uh, and he's recently come back from 10 days on a desert island. So we'll be chatting about that and more. Enjoy. The Ben, well, first of all, thank you very much, mate, for coming on the Unplugged Pod. Much appreciate your time. Uh, look, I know we're going to talk about 10 days on a desert island and Rebel Book Club and everything that kind of fits in between those two categories. But uh, on the Unplugged Pod, we always like to start in the same way. And that is uh, asking, how do you unplug? Nice. Well, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for the shout. I would say being in nature, sleep and sauna. Okay. <laughs> sauna's big these days nature and sleep stone cold classics right but sauna's like more of a modern yeah, I don't know people prefer to go to the sauna than go to the gym now yeah well I think it's, a, it's very in line with Unplugged to be honest because you can't take a phone in yeah. so you, you're, you're almost forced to, to switch off and either sit with your own thoughts or read a book or, or do some writing um, and yeah we got one at our house maybe like a year ago which is amazing in winter. And it's not that expensive to get an infrared sauna. It looks a bit weird in the room it's in, um, but it's just been amazing. It's just like a really nice place to go after a workout or if you don't want to go outside and just spend half an hour sweating, reading, or I do more writing on paper <laughs> in the sauna than anywhere amazing. else now. So yeah, I'm a big advocate. And how, you strike me as the kind of guy who finds a lot of pockets of time. You know, you're a very calm guy through the day because you have a newborn or not probably not that new anymore Pushing but two and a half now man running yeah, yeah, the trenches, I think. running two companies effectively uh and also going off and spending 10 days on desert island so like what are your day are your days chilled or how do you find it since having a kid definitely not <laughs> you realize just how much time you have prior to that that yeah. then gets filled with like more important stuff essentially so i think that's a very good wake-up call on how to optimize time because the, a day for us now it's like wake up right there's some stuff to do with rosa i'm probably building a farm out of magnets first thing in the morning <laughs> now literally every day and then it's okay cool well, she's going to her grandparents or nursery a couple of days a week and then it's like the work day either starts way before that at six in the morning or okay she's she's sorted from 8 a.m then it begins and then at the end of the day it's kind of back to her time between five and eight and then there's a bit of an evening so it is much more of a divided day and i think like becoming a dad it's quite a big life-changing thing and you, you, it gives you a lot of perspective on how you want to spend your time and not wanting to look back and think, oh, I didn't build the farm with magnets in the morning when that's what she really wanted to do. And instead I was like responding to emails I didn't need to pick up until a bit later. So it's an ongoing challenge, I think, for everyone. But for me, having a kid is just a catalyst of there's always something to do. You know, it, ne it's n it never ends unless she's asleep for a bit. Yeah. So, so have you changed how you work much since? I think you just have to be really focused with your time. Um, and I think I've made sure I don't feel guilty giving her that sort of 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. like full focus, dedication, presence, and then just know, okay, perhaps the day's a little bit different. And yeah, I might jump on emails or finish something off a little bit later and then and then switch off. So yeah, your priorities just kind of shift really. And I'm getting up early every day because of her regardless. <laughs> so there's other stuff like, I don't really want to be out too late midweek unless it's for a really good reason because I know I'm going to be up early and if I don't get a decent night's sleep, there's just a knock-on impact, so. You, you mentioned sleep, how much are you sleeping? 
I got quite geeky about it over lockdown. I was like, <laughs> classic aura ring guy, checking that HRV in the morning. And the amount got... of aura ring whoop chat we've had on this podcast is really disgustingly high. But yeah, bring it because we're both in. Yeah, we're both in it. So like, yeah, um, so I'm pretty good. Uh, I'd say like between seven and a half and nine hours, decent, and have done all the classic tinkering with stuff to make sure the environment's right. And still, I don't think any. Well, not many people have got it completely nailed. And look, look, again, if I'm on a laptop of an evening, like it's not optimal. But generally, yeah, a few things we've found like have worked and it's just really interesting. Uh, we're, we've actually just sold our house in London and there's just, I'm like super intrigued by the data when I'm like not in London and in London. I don't know if it's, I don't have enough data to make a big statement here, but I'm convinced when you're in like a less populated place, whether it be Wi-Fi or something like my HRV just changes. That's heart rate variability. Paul. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We've gone deep straight away. People are like, I've had enough of this guy already. Where are you going? Are you moving out? What yeah, Norfolk kind of way, oh, subject cool. to a few final things. But yeah, it's pretty much done. So hopefully pre-Christmas for... Yeah, well, I think we just normalize uh, the, the kind of background noise, like ambulances going past, mm. like, all that kind of stuff. But but that still causes stress in the body. And I think when you go somewhere quieter, you realize that you get this like sense of calm mm. that you just don't have in the city. But I think we're so used to just walking around all day with all hell breaking loose. <laughs> yeah. but it's only when you go away that you realize what's yeah, what's missed. I'm sure that'll make a big difference. Yeah, we'll see. But I'll have the data to prove it. Yeah, yeah, there we so. go. Love it. <laughs> Are you looking good for a new or newish dad anyway, Ben? I mean, Hector, ah. Hector complimented you on your tan when you walked in. You don't look like a, you haven't slept much. So yeah, seven and a half to nine as a new dad is pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, I just said it was because I was sweaty from work today. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you. It's interesting how the answers to that question, some people, like I never expected anyone to say sleep. So that Hector is a way of unplugging, right? And you mentioned sauna as well, because there is literally no way you can be plugged into any tech when you're in a sauna and the same with sleep, right? It's interesting that people's like answer to that question is often something that they they are unplugging with it, but they're doing it to an extent where they're not giving themselves the option to be plugged mm. in, like sleep and sauna being two prime. So, sauna's great, I think. So a lot of the things you talk about as well, like exercise, are great ways to unplug, obviously really good for you, but you know, it, it is taking quite a lot of mental energy as well. But but sauna, you're literally just sitting with your thoughts, which I think is really rare. Like so chill. No one, no one fucking so chill. Just like actually... one day I'd love to have a big one and be like, guys, yeah, yeah. come around. Get everyone in, like... yeah. <laughs> I remember Tim For Tim Ferris, sorry, doing a podcast with yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. a sauna. <laughs> I was like, that's cool. We'll have to go we'll have to go on to that. Season two. Um Ben, you spent ten days on a desert island. Not many people have done that. And just for a bit of framework, you were genuinely by yourself, solo on a desert island in Indonesia for 10 days. I've got that right, yeah? Indeed. Okay. Uh, I mean, what were you running away from, bro? <laughs> Everything I mentioned before. No, I think, one, I'd always been into this kind of stuff since I was a kid. Like, I grew up watching, like, Shipwrecked on T4 and, like, seeing, like, Ray Mears bushcraft and that kind of thing. And so I was always loosely into that and just fascinated by islands and had, had researched in the past, like, how do you get this sort of, like, raw back-to-basics style experience and there's not many people or places that can offer that authentically or if you google hire a desert island for a week it's like yeah great 100 grand um which just wasn't feasible so it was a really random string of conversations but a, a number of years ago someone was like i know a guy who knows a guy like i've got an island guy and i was like great let's just chat so i actually did something very similar eight years ago back when i had no responsibility nothing else so, so did uh, that kind of experience and then i think more recently one had gone through like I, 
prior to this, basically every year I was like, I need to do something different and something challenging, whether it be a triathlon or something work-wise. And I'd kind of put that on ice whilst we had a kid and were in that challenge for a bit. And then came out and I kept in touch with the guys from eight years ago, very loosely, particularly over COVID. They'd had a really tough time with their business because it's quite a niche form of tourism that not many people do. And it's more of a passion project for, for these guys than anything else. So we'd spoken a bit and he basically, I'd been thinking about some kind of challenge and they hit me up going, hey man, we found a new island and we need a guinea pig. What are you saying? I was like, actually, the timing's kind of good. And it just felt like such a contrast to my like day-to-day in an agency working with like fast growth tech brands and we're on Slack and we're on WhatsApp. It's just like the complete opposite of that and just a really good challenge personally. So my eyes lit up when I got that shout and was just like, let me have the necessary conversations to get this approval. And I'm, and I'm game. And it was, yeah, from a WhatsApp to on an island sort of five, six weeks later. You've written, um, I read your blog post, uh, 10 takeaways from, from, from being on a desert island for 10 days. And I would advise anyone to read it because it's a super kind of unique perspective that so few people can, uh, can offer up, I guess. But if you could condense it to just one, what, what was the main takeaways? You got on that boat to come back or you sort of rejoined society. What, what was the kind of standout thing that you thought, wow, I, I, I didn't expect that. And that's... One is hard to pinpoint, but it's a great question. Sure. I think for me, and it's like a little bit cliche, but it's almost just like an appreciation for the word that was still front of mind. I was like, maybe I need to get this tattooed. It's just simple pleasures as a phrase. And actually when you've got everything taken away and all the modern luxuries and stuff that we just take for granted, it's really simple pleasures that you miss. A conversation, a coffee, seasoning on some food, a comfortable, it's not things that are necessarily hard to get or really expensive. So for me, it was just that perspective shift of, I'm actually going back to, I'm really grateful for what I've already got. And it's pretty good. So stop complaining and get on with it and just enjoy what you already have. Um, I really enjoyed the 90 second video you put out, but I was waiting for the 90 minute video because I could, I could have watched a bed. So you're going to have to go back in a few years and do a, do a longer form edit. I don't know, does it exist? Or do you just choose to keep it like an experience for yourself and then just the written content and the 90 second video? It was, so the first time I did something similar, I just didn't document it because it was, I'm just doing this thing for me and had a few blurry photos, but it wasn't, wasn't really a consideration. This time around, it was more people saying, and my other half, Soph, was like, you've got to, you're going away for two weeks, which is a long time when you've got a fairly young kid. She was like, she's going to want to know where her dad's been and what's going on and like definitely take a GoPro. Then it was like two days before, I was like, I need to get a drone. <laughs> who, who can let, like, Insta story, who can lend me a drone? And I was like, you know what? It'd be a shame not to capture it. So I didn't go there to get content, but if there were certain moments that felt quite natural. I'd be like, oh, this would be a nice thing to... There's one thing talking about something and there's one thing showing people what something was actually like. So there are some other rushes up, which I've not even been through, to be honest. I was like itching to just share something with immediate friends and family, which I popped on Instagram and LinkedIn and stuff, which, is, which has got some kind of nice traction and opened up some really interesting conversations probably like this. So it's been, been great. But yeah, I'm not planning to... <laughs> Do the extended cut. Uh, but if I ever do, it'll probably just be me moaning t- on camera, like doing selfie videos. But I didn't, yeah, that was the majority of sort of the key footage and stuff. But D- Did you find it difficult? Capturing content or like yeah, the whole experience? The whole experience, the whole experience. Yeah, it was tough actually. I think my insight on this now is you do something really, really hard and like within an hour or two afterwards, you're like, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> like I'll do it again. I'm and in the sure. moment, it's yeah. really, really tough. Like they were 100% lots of things went wrong there were lots of low points but in that environment the thing i quite like about that challenge is there's not really a way out you know it's not just like ah yeah. oh, i should do this thing but i'm not going to do it here it's like 
no one's really coming to save you unless you, you bet they basically give you like an emergency phone. You could break a seal and bring someone and like, I think they would come the next morning, but it wouldn't be, it's quite a long boat journey. So you just get it done. What was the, what was the lowest point? There was one, so I, I took like a few basic tools to give, to give some context. So I had a hammock, machete, spear gun, the GoPro, the drone. Um, I'm pretty, that was pretty much it to be honest. So I had something to sleep in. I, I'm not like a guy who does this kind of thing particularly often. I've never put up a hammock in my life. So it's just like Amazon, <laughs> Prime, great. Some blue hammock rocks up the next day, let's go. A bit like the drone. I was like, I need all these things last minute. And I took a flint, which which was a big mistake because I didn't have to use a flint. Or I, Not even sure what one is to be honest with you. It's like, it basically just makes a spark. Okay. So I just got it off Amazon. It was like, spark, cool. We'll work that out when we get there. Way harder to start a fire than you'd imagine. <laughs> Did you crack it? eventually yeah, but yeah, man yeah. it was it was sca- I, I was basically like this is going to be a coconut only experience because it took a lot of tries yeah it was pretty, but pretty I, I mean i've seen the video of you spearfishing but i don't know you're being quite modest here but like you know you killed a few fish with the spear you, you cooked them like it looks like you did okay based on that video yeah uh, one of the other points i kind of one of the other insights was like you can get reasonably good at most things if you simply persist for long enough so again i didn't go there as a fisherman or really know how to start yeah, a fire yeah. Um, it was just through practice and it was day one, zero, day two, zero, day three, zero, day four, one, day five, C wasn't quite right to do it, day six, three fish. So I think eventually those like learnings compound quite quickly and you just, you just, you also have to, it's like, yeah, yeah. And, and you realize how much time you've got. There's no one to talk to, nothing to respond to, like technology doesn't work, there's no signals. You've got so much time in a day and you've not got to think about work or anything else. It's just, there's some basic things on an island like finding firewood and foraging and just some some really simple things that take, I don't know, two hours, two and a half hours a day. The rest of the day, you're completely free to do whatever you want to do. So you're like, what's the highest ROI activity here? <laughs> I'm so hungry. Yeah, I can catch crabs tonight when it gets dark. Or I can, And spearfishing's kind of like love animals. <laughs> not, not suggesting I'm just go out and start taking out fish for no reason. But in that environment, if you've got a spear gun in the ocean you're going to, trust me, you're going to get in and, and have a go. So yeah, it was quite a fun, a fun learning curve. And just the exhilaration of being hungry and getting a fish and coming out of the sea and like, ah, come on. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Just to, just to push on Hector's um, point, I guess after you realized I'm actually not going to starve because 10 days if I had to just eat coconuts, I, I could do it. And when you realize like temperature wise, maybe you're going to be okay. You got the hammock up, right? I can actually do this. But what was the, what was the hardest point like psychologically? What, what was the hardest moment like where, I don't know, do you start to talk to yourself or does the brain start to really go? Because 10 days by yourself on a desert island, I mean, it's, there must've been a moment like mentally when you were like, oh wow, like this is, this is a bit out of hand here. Yeah, you, you definitely do talk to yourself <laughs> or I did, which, which is quite fun. But I think there was one, and it was kind of the low point I was, I was thinking of a moment ago. There was basically the climate there is just completely localized there aren't weather forecasts or anything it's just its own thing and pretty much any week in a year it'll be nice it will rain there'll be a storm it's completely unpredictable so the only heads up i was given was just expect anything and there was one night where it rained quite heavily again i didn't have to put up a hammock i've had a good go but it definitely wasn't all connected up perfectly so when it started raining relatively heavily the hammock started getting a little bit wet i didn't have many clothes basically everything long story short everything got soaked so i didn't have a dry pair of socks or anything and it's cold and it's raining and it's heavy rain so even though there's a little tarp on top of the hammock it's coming in the sides it's coming down bits of string so i was like rebuild redoing the hammock in the rain in the storm i remember just getting in that night thinking 
I was cold and damp. I was like, this is not fun. And we're going to have to get through this and just ride it out. It was just horrible. And there's mozzies and everything else. That for me, psychologically was, it could be this for the next six days. She needs to dig deep and eventually find a way to sleep. And yeah, again, you don't appreciate just warm, dry clothes until you haven't got any. So that, that for me was probably the toughest one. And then I eventually woke up, it's still raining the morning after, still stormy, just thinking, no one's saying, oh, my iPhone's telling me this will be gone by 3 p.m. It's just there waiting for the next thing. So I think that was psychologically just being there with nothing to do other than kind of ride it out was, was kind of horrible. You probably had some pretty, I mean, I've never done anything anywhere near this, but, you know, similar kind of going offline in nature for a few days. And I imagine you had some pretty euphoric highs as well when you just realized that it's just you and there's nothing yeah. to bother you. And- Again, you sort of, Forget the context of, oh, yeah, I'm a bit hungry or what, got some cuts and bites and stuff. Sometimes you just come out, walk out to the sea on your own. <laughs> like, this is incredible. Yeah. And I, I don't know why more people don't do this. And I've introduced so many people to my island guy. <laughs> no one ever does it. I'm doing this. I'm and honestly, saying. like, I've looked into this for a long time. You cannot find this at a similar price to this on earth. But no one, no one, I'm like, it's incredible. And you could actually do something where you made it. There are no rules as well. I've just got an, a guy who can get you an island and licenses and boats and everything else you need. If you want, you could, you could go somewhere far more comfortable. And if you want, you could like pay someone to bring you some food or something. You could make it, it's basically hiring a desert island for whatever you want. I've just chosen to have a sort of back to basic solo adventure, but you could do anything. What, what are we talking price point for anyone listening who is interested? So ballpark, I got yeah, really good deals because yeah, yeah, it's my boy, right? Yeah. Um, and it was the kind of deal on this was basically go be a guinea pig, give us a bit of a review on it, like yeah. grab some photos and stuff um, with a view to them. I say market it. They don't, it's not like a big operation. It's just a few people a year will go and do this thing. And, and that's really cool. Roughly speaking, and you, everyone needs to go and do their own research and stuff. I would say for under three and a half grand, you could have a private island for 10 days, international flights, local flights, and probably two to three days in local, very basic hotel, like really basic on... <laughs> in like a localized area like this because there isn't anything else and then a couple of very comfortable nights in a major city sort of on the way back so for me i'd know people who could spend that on a stag doing ibiza you know or in yeah. four days personally i think yeah it's unreal so if you need that hook up hit me up i'll connect you with the boys it's, it's the kind of thing though ben like people will listen to this and be like oh yeah I, i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do mm. that and then when the when the start reality of yeah. that comes through 99.9% of the people who are initially interested wouldn't do it, right? Yeah. There's a quote I really like. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, though. I can feel hectic. I could, <laughs> I could see us doing it, boys. A little group, little yeah. group adventure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there are some people who just back up their their ambitions with action, right? And I, I, there was this quote, and it really stuck with me, and I don't know who even said it now, but it was like, if you want a dope life, do dope shit. <laughs> and it's so true, right? It's like, so. if you want to do something challenging, like go book a challenge. I think the same with people as well. Like to me, uh, uh, prior to what I'm doing now, not that this is interesting, but uh, prior to that, I was like, oh, how do I meet interesting people? Mm. And so like actually doing interesting things is how you meet interesting people, you know? Because if you sat around not doing anything all day, mm-hmm. you're not going to meet anyone. 100%. So j- just on that, how have you found the reintegration? Yeah, I appreciated it. When I, I mean, without getting too nasty, it takes a day or two for your stomach to adjust. <laughs> and it's this really weird thing where you're so hungry and really craving everything you love. And in a... I'd like gone from Indonesia to Malaysia. It was like amazing street food culture here, but the stomach was not prepared for 
anything that that came so it's the first couple of days and i was like my feet were so sore i had like cuts wounds that just wouldn't heal from i should have just taken some like props or something <laughs> i didn't but basically i was pretty sliced up and like in pain and because that everything had got so wet as well i only had like one pair of rotten Max, and i was like i can't get an international flight they stink <laughs> so i went out and bought these like one pound flip-flops from a market um so it took a, it took a while but then once you kind of settle in again it's just i think it's just quite a big high after you do anything that's challenging you feel you once you've done it you just get so much yeah and also just speaking to people again i remember getting back to this like pretty rough hotel in the middle of nowhere and just like reconnecting with friends and family and everyone being like how are you what's going on and so yeah it was it was just lovely to it's a good conversation start to be fair when you've when you've unplugged in in that kind of fashion for a few days but yeah you soon get back into stuff i think it gives you even if it's on not such like an extreme scale, I think unplugging in any format, whether it be for an hour a day or a week or 10 days or whatever you can carve out, there are so many, ben- I don't need to preach to you. There are so many benefits, right, to, to getting out of your normal routine and just going on airplane mode or unplugging or having a weekend away in a cabin or whatever it might be. So the reintegration's not hard, but I think you come back into things with a fresh fresh mind and, and, and yeah, and thinking on things. Yeah, when uh, I did Silent Retreat just prior to Unplugged 10 days, almost the fondest memory is nothing at the retreat, but actually (laughs) being in a like random hotel in Delhi on the way back and just like checking back in. I don't know, you just, it's weird. You feel like a deep compassion for all the people in your life. Like once you've had the, once you've got away from them for a few days. To this point as well, the kind of like guide as such who picked me up, like again, it was just some dude they were like had kind of found fairly recently so he didn't speak a word of english so it was literally 100 percent vibes and no we couldn't speak at all so i like, had this crazy experience just with two dudes in a car who don't speak english and i remember just i was in like music like i haven't, I haven't listened to any music for 10 days like any like local music and they put something on the i was just like little things like that and then we went for a bite to eat and no cutlery like no idea really what we we're ordering what we we're eating or anything it was just that sat around a table like this with two guys don't can't even communicate but it's just like that's like the, there's something so human that you begin to appreciate when you haven't had it it's super interesting yeah really really cool um yeah so let's um let's maybe scratch back a little bit to kind of your your business and and rebel book club and 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 everything you do at the moment when you're not uh, on, on a desert island <laughs> <laughs> like rebel book club's probably a good place to start then yeah, for sure. So it's been going for a while now. I think we're about, well, we're over 100 books deep, so 100 months. So right. seven to eight years now. That was just a passion project, really. I'd left traditional employment in inverted commas, so I kind of ducked out of an ad agency, was kind of committed to scratching an itch and, and doing my own thing in some fashion. And there was a guy who I'd followed for a few years. You know, you lurk, <laughs> like you know about someone, but you've not done anything. A guy called Ben Keen, who had a company back then called Tribe Wanted and had basically like crowdfunded an island in Fiji and wrote a book about it and done some really cool stuff. And it was actually when I was on a gap year. So this is going way back. He did this Fiji thing and I was like, man, this is cool. But I got wrapped up in some other work stuff and didn't do it. And then just as I kind of handed in my notice at this big agency, he announced this project in Bali. This was kind of before Bali was like a influencer hotspot, but it was in a place called Ubud and it was like a startup community. And the idea was just like escape the UK winter, come to Ubud, work out of the shared workspace, There'll be a meeting five days a week for an hour where you can just sit around with other people in this kind of tribe, it was called. 
um, and just bounce ideas and work on things. And I just came up with a load of like, I did some freelance stuff for some brands and, and other people. And I just came up with a bunch of silly ideas to try and work out what I was going to do. And naturally, I was just reading quite a lot of nonfiction because it's kind of that thing like, right, I need to work out what's next in my life. I turned to books at that point and just found that this guy, Ben, who was hosting this experience, had the same problem as me. We'd buy books. We liked all the same books. Our Kindles were identical. <laughs> we'd start books and we wouldn't finish them or we didn't necessarily have a community who were equally as passionate to talk about them at home. So it's just like, I was just very casual. Does anyone want to read the same book at the same time or just share notes? And I don't know, maybe in two weeks' time, I can find a cool place and we'll just go and talk about it. And just went to the bar. I was like, yo, any chance you could make a cocktail based on the book? And they were like, yeah, of course. And Rebel Book Club was sort of born from that. And that first pilot meetup, I guess you'd call it, went really, really well. And I was, top of my mind, I was just like, I need this when I, when I go home. This is, this is what I need. So we just, it wasn't going to be a business. Um, but Ben was kind of, oh, I think there's something in this. Do you want to do it together? So I was like, yeah, cool. He's like a cool guy doing cool stuff. I was like, why not? I would have done it anyway, just as like a passion project. And yeah, way back then we were like, right, 15 pounds a month. You get a book, you get a meetup, you get a cocktail. And it just grew really organically from there. It was always just kind of a side hustle for us for a long time. And yeah, here we are, 100 plus books later. And basically exactly the same model, right? Pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. a slightly more complex like yeah. <laughs> uh, model nowadays. And it's gone a bit more international. So some, sure. some members are virtual only, some are in person. But yeah, in principle, last Tuesday of every month, we meet up, we talk about a book and a theme and, and dive into it. And yeah, it's been amazing. Like it's a nice little business. And I've met so many, like you say, about just doing interesting things with interesting people. Nowadays, the books we read are not even ones I'd ever walk into Waterstones and pick yeah. up. But it's so interesting to just dive into a theme, go deep on it for a month. And even if you can't finish the book, we say to people, like, no stress, like, watch a podcast, like, jump on Blinkist, do, there'll be something, but don't be scared to come and just have a conversation because we'll bring in the experts and we'll build a format where it doesn't really matter if you haven't made notes on 400 pages, you can still deep dive into AI for a month or productivity for a month or the science behind happiness or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, it's been great. It's a, it's a nice, really nice community. And I think like maybe even we connected off the back of that or. Yeah, yeah. I'm a proud uh, RBC member. And uh, okay. I think on that, that kind of diversity of topics is huge because mm. it's so easy. Like I read a lot of, you know, end up reading a lot of biographies of old white men, you know, and so actually go to Royal Book Club and a book is chosen for you, basically. There's some community voting, but it just exposed so many books that I wouldn't have read normally. Mm. So I read one of the one of my favorite from the early ones was a book called Invisible Women. Never would have mm. picked up myself, and I actually felt myself um, just in the opening pages that like, have some resistance to it. I was ah oh, no, you know it can't actually be this bad. And then after the whole book, I was like sold. Yeah, like yeah. it's a you know world designed by men for men, and and that has consequences. And so I think it's incredibly powerful to uh, expose people to that. And you know, and it, it's a really diverse community as well. So just bringing people together because I think a lot of dialogue today you talk about social media a lot of dialogue people go in with ideology and they're just stuck on that and there's no conversation and so i think something like this where you start with a conversation and people just come in effectively identityless and just chatting about the ideas is is incredible so huge advocate and anyone listening check it out for sure. appreciate the plug but yeah the <laughs> books are just a vehicle right like yeah. people people they come for the books originally but they stay for the community afterwards it's less about the book and it's more about the conversation and the experience around the theme that month and even if you can't make it every single month like it's just great to see a familiar face when they're yeah. really interested in something and can squeeze it in amongst busy lives last one i went to um which i saw you at was uh, one on space and you had someone who was really in the science side of it and a guy who was running a startup like clearing 
uh, like rubbish from space or something mental like that. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really crazy. interesting. It's really bad. It's yeah. one of those communities where like, <laughs> right, roulette on any topic. Do we have an expert on this thing? And suddenly we, we read a Michael Pollan book a few years ago about how to change your mind to, to do with psychedelics. And it was like all these very respectable people, like half of them done ayahuasca retreats. <laughs> and there's like a whole spin-off community. There's like an entrepreneur's one. There's a psychedelics one. There's like a, we just kind of started it and now it's just become its own, own thing, which is really exciting. And just, um, it just practically, how does that work then? So last, last Tuesday of every month, is yeah. it always in London? There's like an in-person meet and you have an expert in the, the field or... Yeah, so lockdown kind of changed the format slightly where we pivoted to virtual. And just for the first time, we were able to open it up to an international audience where we didn't have someone to run a meetup. So we've got a bunch of members and everyone from America to Argentina now. So we do a virtual meetup on the last Monday of the month. Mm-hmm often we'll have the author come along to that. It's just quite a nice pitch to an author as well. We're like, well, we just bought a thousand copies of your book. Like, you don't need to pitch us the book. We want to talk about the book because we've gone deep for a month on the thing you're really passionate about. So although we don't advertise, we've got pretty good conversion just by tweeting an author or DMing them and going, hey, I bet, yeah. like, if you've just seen a spike in sales, it's because you've won this month. And <laughs> if, you, if you're free, either virtually on the last Monday or in, if you're in London or Bristol or a major city where we're based, like come on through. So th- that's been really great. But yeah, in principle, we find a, a fresh venue each month in London. There's a slightly smaller community in Bristol, one in Oxford and a few kind of little community in Barcelona um, and Berlin. And yeah, they kind of just look after themselves. But yeah, keep the format fresh. But same day, so it's, I, we just tried to build a bit of a habit, right? Start of the month, you get a new book. End of the month, come and talk about it if you can make it. And yeah, I think because it's one of those projects where it's just got a, a format where it just never stops. Mm. So I think it's one of those things as well. When you build something you're like, oh, it's been hard for a few months. Like you just can't stop. There just <laughs> isn't another option. There's all these people who are waiting for the next thing. So we just got a duty to them to keep going. They, like there is no end point. Yeah, that sense of momentum is really cool, right? Mm. It's just like a snowball effect. Um, and was reading always, have you always been a massive reader? Like uh, well, since Rebel Book Club did it, you know, was it a catalytic effect from there? I wouldn't say I'm like a... I feel like you're a really good reader. Like, I know... Come up once or twice. <laughs> you are... You're very, very good in terms of... You're quite prolific. I've always been a... Re- I've just been into nonfiction for, for a while. And it was... I think it was an old boss a long time ago gave me like Purple Cow by Seth Godin. And I was kind of working in marketing and advertising. I was like, wow, this is genuinely really useful for what we're doing. And kind of went down that, that rabbit hole of... I call it like personal development loosely. It's a bit of a like weird word for it but it kind of is that really so yeah i just got quite into non-fiction and yeah it would be quite embarrassing if i had a book club and didn't read any books so it's been good to i think having a kid has definitely made it more challenging and i've had to adapt slightly and kind of pivot to audiobooks and other things to just make it fit because there's less of that just distraction free focused time but yeah i like to think i'm have you have you missed any months you hit you hit every month on the book pretty much every month i mean occasionally something comes up in life where it's unavoidable yeah. or you're on holiday or, or something, but generally, yeah, it's pretty. And when you actually look back, I was like, because we're kind of gearing up to hopefully move house soon, just sorting out the, the bookshelf, which is <laughs> overflowing. And you look back and you're like, God, the memories in this book stack. Yeah, yeah. It's actually crazy. And if you look back, there's so many things that have, I don't know, we wrote a book about AI three years ago. We wrote a book about race years before, like that became a, like a popular culture conversation to, to deal with some of like societal issues. It was like, if you just, top line read all of these books over time you'd be so well informed on so many things and like very the very worst case we always say to people at least you can have some good dinner party chat <laughs> top line in a few things if you, if you come with us on this on this little journey do any any books stand out for you so many <laughs> oh it's a tough question 
The one I often recommend, because I think it's like particularly prevalent now in general, is the 100 year life. And that's basically saying the old school three step life of education, career, retire is, is redundant now, essentially. You're going to have multiple educations, multiple careers and multiple retirements basically based on the fact that we're all going to live a lot a lot longer so the couple of generations before us yeah that was like a methodical way to look at life if we're potentially us or the generation beneath us are going to live beyond 100 are you going to retire at 70 you're going to be able to do that for sure like potentially you could have a few gap years in your life you could completely change your career i know like my parents kind of did one thing Mm. stuck with it and and that was normal so that for me has always been a a book that a lot of people don't know and a really lovely author as well i'm not going to spurs with him his son was a member of Rebel Book Club after <laughs> completely randomly. Um, so I'd recommend that. But there are so many, so many good ones. Um, and so, like Invisible Women's one that had like a big impact on a lot of guys as well, because we just wouldn't have perhaps read that otherwise. But there are so many, so many. And there are like obvious ones that like we read Atomic Habits when it first came out. And look, look what that's that done. Still, it's still the top of like, yeah, yeah crazy. Enough. It's insane every January it's like yeah. it's a bit like Mariah at Christmas oh. it's Atomic Habits in January like he's just got it now and he's right yeah, I mean like I used to read this blog before like it's great like what yeah, he says sure. is really good and we'd read The Power of Habit years before which was similar but I think he just packaged it in such an accessible mm. cool way and then you had big people kind of co-signing that book and it just and also he's a great talker so when the podcast like space came up in the US before the UK I remember, because I've read the book, but I actually think he's almost a better talker than he is, uh, uh, like, a, he's obviously an exceptional writer, clearly, but, like, he's a great talker as well, so he can kind of push it in that way. Hector, just on a tangent on reading, I remember, like, a year ago, maybe, maybe end of 2022, you you wrote on your newsletter, your your Substack, like, you said that you wanted to move away from, like, more, like, self-development, self-development books and more into like biographies and history and stuff like that because and I, I, I don't want to like butcher what you said but like you were saying like well you tell us the reason behind, behind that no I, I think it was just reflecting on uh, what I'd read recently that there are some books that are just like real idea books I actually think Atomic Habits he, he's packed a lot of wisdom in there but there's some books where you know the title's the whole book right sure. you, find, you know you read the title you read the book right and I think uh, you can you can read that but you can also just read the blog post of that book mm-hmm. Um, I think when I really have, and I was actually a very dyslexic kid, I have a twin sister who's a voracious reader and it was never really my thing. And then a few years ago, I had a podcast with Naval Ravikant and he said, "Best his best tip for reading is read what you love until you love to read. And for whatever reason, that just kind of clicked a, a switch for me. So I've now read a lot more like uh, biographies, histories, that kind of thing. And I think for me, it just really helps like understand reality better. Like I feel like both both fiction and nonfiction, because like nonfiction is like how we got here, and you understand like when you read about someone like Winston Churchill, just to give an obvious example, like you understand just like the messiness of reality and just how things actually play out. And obviously, every historical book is just one person's opinion on it, but I think it really uh, helps make sense of our own situations and kind of with what we're doing. And then fiction, I think, is amazing just for like understanding the human condition. So it really helps you like develop empathy because you read, you know, often through the lens of this character about their life that's so different to yours. And I think it just is an amazing way to give you perspective. And why I'm such an advocate of, of reading is because, you know, like some people, I, I don't really, I just listen to the podcast or whatever, but there is something about sitting with a character for 20 hours, 15 hours, whatever it is, that like that time, you know, you're talking about on the, the, the desert island, just kind of, you know, 
not doing anything, right? Like there's something about sitting and working your way slowly through a book where it's just giving your subconscious brain time to process it and make connections, etc. Like there's still so much about the subconscious mind that we just don't understand. Uh, and so I think it's such a wonderful, yeah, it, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, ben, Rebel, Club, Rebel Book Club isn't your only kind of venture. Um, what about your other, your other business? Yes, yeah, so to be honest, that is still like a side hustle as okay. such. We have uh, a small team of, of Ben Keen puts a few days a week into it and we have a, someone called Anchor who deserves a shout out who's been with us for a long time and looks after all the admin. If you email Rebel Book Club, like she's picking it up, which is, which is amazing. But no, my main baby is called Attachment. Um, it is a culture entertainment agency based in central London, operate globally. And we essentially help brands navigate the, yeah, the world of cultural entertainment, anything from talent for a TV campaign through to brand to brand partnerships, licensing deals, ventures, and, and everything in between. So as I said before, that kind of world is like fast paced, celebrity deals, action. Yeah. So I think that's why the island was so appealing because it's two opposite things entirely. And just, just for anyone listening who doesn't know Attachment, I mean, j- just give us an idea of some of it, because we're talking the biggest brands in the world. So, so what are some of the projects Yeah, we were really done? lucky. Our, our first client was Google and, and Touchwood. Them and YouTube have been with us for seven or so years now. Um, we worked with TikTok, we worked with Snap, we worked with the British Fashion Council. We just won eBay. Um, we work in sport as well, so we look after England Rugby, a few other interesting sporting things happening next year. So yeah, we're really lucky to have some I think for us, it's more about the people. Like, yeah, these are big names and great, but it's more about the ambitious marketers in those teams. You want to have an impact in culture. You want to do things that, that are quite disruptive and, and just fun as well. So, yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, we're a team of 12 full-time and a bunch of freelancers as and when projects require. And yeah, we just got an ethos that, one, is people that create culture. That's our team. That's clients. That's the talent we work with, whether that be a, a giant superstar like a, a Lady Gaga-esque level through to a thought leader in a specific subculture like an entrepreneur or someone who's really into sneakers so yeah it's great and I think for us as well it was never about building a giant agency I've, I've been in one of those they're not particularly effective our ethos is you can just get a handful of really smart people and bring in experts as and when you need them and yeah we've just got a lot more confident I think over the last couple of years that you know what we can do projects end to end from the idea and the strategy through to the execution rather than just the kind of the celebrity or talent piece so Yes, it's a fun time. Excited to... So how, how did going. you go from uh, uh, Bali, digital nomading, to, to this? I, I, there might be some space in between. So I was, yeah, a little bit. Of, well, I, I freelanced for a bit and was really fortunate that a few old clients... It was England Rugby, to be fair, were the, were the first brand who were like, yeah, I know you've left, but any chance <laughs> you can still do some stuff because we just feel like the project we've got in mind is quite uniquely positioned. And I was like... And this is the time when video calls were not a thing. It was not normal to jump on a video call. And I was like, well, if you guys are cool to not do it in person, I could definitely start working on some stuff and did a project for them in O2 specifically around the impact of music on sport. And it kind of just, just, just went from there on, on like a freelance basis. And then there was a guy, I think in life you meet people and he's like, I don't know what we're going to do, but I just know one day we're going to do something together. And I had that with this guy, Chris. It took us like six years to do it. We used to go for like <laughs> a coffee or a bite to eat and like talk, but like there was nothing behind it. And then stars kind of aligned and I had a few brand clients. He was doing some stuff on the side and it just made a lot of sense to to come together. And it, we didn't take it seriously, to be honest, at the start. It's so funny looking back, like how, how like serious we are now. We we eventually got, we were just doing this in coffee shops and stuff. And we But we just got all of these signs that like Google kept coming back to us saying, guys, we need your help on this thing. Airbnb hit us up and like help. And we did a really good job and we got another brief and we're like, 
if Google and if we can solve a problem for Google and Airbnb, two brands we use passionately most days, surely we've got to take this more seriously. And I was like, I was running a festival in Morocco and doing like loads of other random stuff. And it's like, you know what? This requires some focus because we're onto something here. And that was when we, we got an office. But we played like two, three games of FIFA a day. It was, it was like, <laughs> we look back now, I've been like, God, it was good, wasn't it? What a lifestyle at the time. And, and now we've got, yeah, a bit more structure and process and obviously doing far better, bigger things. Yeah, so and, what, personally, is your job now, is it a lot of managing? Is it a lot of the creative? Like, how are you spending it? A bit time? of a mix. Interesting, we bought in an MD about nine, 10 months ago who came and was just like, right, <laughs> we need some roles, we need some responsibilities, and we need, how are you doing this in this way? And I think we'd built it for eight people sat around a table and it operated really well and, and pretty successfully. But if we want to get to that next level and compete in like the top tier of, of, of our game, it was like, okay, cool, we need to streamline things a bit. So I yeah, focus more on new business and client development and client relationships and bringing in the next Google or the next big brand or next exciting campaign we're going to work on and then also specifically the live stuff as well my background originally was in music and a lot of relationships are there and it's just something i think we're really good at and can go head to head with anyone in a specific niche so yeah enjoying kind of juggling those two things at the moment but there's you know what it's like there's always there's always something to do each day is a bit different yeah so business second business baby desert island i mean you're a busy boy ben what um how, how do you balance it all out like do you at the start of a month are you like these are my priorities start of a year or do you just go with the flow or how, how does that work somewhere in between the two i think one you've got to stay relatively calm like if you want to juggle a few things and not get thrown off course because one thing doesn't go perfectly to plan and then it's just managing your time effectively right yeah it's harder when you've got more things going on but really and truly i think if all of us looked at our 10 hours or whatever it is we work in a day like there's a lot of time in there that we're not using particularly well so i think it's like well if you want to stay healthy and exercise you might need to get up a little bit earlier to, to make something happen or you've got to carve out some time or book something and and commit to it so yeah it's always an ongoing i think anyone that comes in here and tells you they've got it all figured out and optimized perfectly is an alien like there aren't <laughs> there are many people who do um but yeah i think it's just being conscious about finding that balance because you need it and I think you know when this time of year particularly as well like everyone's kind of grinding stuff out right before the end of year and, and then winding down and like you, everyone needs especially for, in our business particularly the one time of year everyone gets an actual break and isn't going to be bothered is Christmas otherwise there's always something going on in some market where there's something that needs to be responded to so yeah it's just about striking a striking a balance and I think not feeling guilty about actually going out for a walk at lunchtime or getting away from from a machine or you know leaving the office a bit early to come and have this conversation it'd be easy to just be like you know there's so much to do today yeah, yeah. can we can we push this or but actually you just got to you just got to do stuff and in terms of like you leading your team and obviously being responsible for them in some way and um, your team unplugging do, do they kind of just follow your lead i mean if the boss has gone to a desert island for 10 days or takes, <laughs> takes a walk at lunch at least that sets a tone like of oh okay there is like there is space there is a uh, legitimacy for, for taking a little bit of time to unplug yeah i think one it's about who you hire right and hopefully hiring people that have a degree of common sense and are like conscious about their own well-being and knowing that if they're going to bring the be their best selves to work they've got to look after themselves as well we've got the obvious perks and stuff and we've like enforced unlimited holiday which has been like an interesting kind of experiment to get right but yeah i think one we've just been fortunate to work alongside people that we can treat as adults and go look no one needs to be micromanaged to to the t just do what's sensible 
Um, so it's not been too much of a challenge, but yeah, it's something you have to look at. And actually there are some people who really need encouraging to take holiday. It's like, you've been going at it for a while and like, you've not taken anything this quarter, please book time off and, and do it. And I think yeah, these days as well, you know, in a small team, like you kind of all know a lot about each other. Sure. Like we all know lots about each other's partners and home lives, even though we've never met those people necessarily. And I think in a small team, you 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 see if someone puts up an instagram story doing something like you kind of okay cool that's like a signal that person's doing that maybe i should do more of that and we talk about it as well so again with all of these things there's a balance right there's an ebb and a flow there are times where you need to lean in and and grind something out and get a result and there's other times where it's really important to lean back and just switch off because it's not yeah it's surprisingly hard and i think even seeing what you guys are doing unplugged are doing for companies is really interesting and i can see why it's working because sometimes you actually have to put in place that those parameters or that process to go like we have a specific thing you can do if you if you're feeling a little bit burnt out or here's a here's a credit for something so please do do take it but yeah i'm, I'm all is you know like by no means do we have it all perfectly figured out unlimited holiday did i hear that correct i'm obviously working for the wrong companies but yeah. like, you've got an unlimited holiday policy is this maybe sorry yeah how do you find it because because I'm, I'm sure um you're very familiar with this, but the, the, some pushback on that is that by giving people unlimited, they don't take any or enough. So how, how have you found the process? I don't think we've been doing it long enough to really pull any insight um, or say definitively it works for every single person or company because I think they're all a bit different. For us, it's been about one, just like empowering people to be adult. And there are times where obviously it's not a good time to take holiday off because three other people are off and where you know we're up against it but to feel the freedom to be able to actually do it. And we've started, we've kind of found a happy medium where we are tracking it. So you can actually see, because before I think it was just like, well, yeah, it's all good, just do your thing and be sensible. And if you, if you smash it at this point, of course, if you need to take a break or be flexible, fine, do. In reality, I think that works for some people, but there are personality types that doesn't work for, and it's more anxiety inducing to be like, it's a gray area. So it's been really, and we've done a lot recently and brought in some external support to like have these conversations and build these frameworks. And we've done, um, I'm going to butcher the acronym, but this like personality, DSIC maybe, or DISC, like personality stuff, which has been really interesting because we had a session the other day where everyone, you got to see each other's results and okay, cool. Like some of the team are this type of person, some of this type. For them, having a policy like that is a nightmare. For others, it's a dream. So I think it's about finding that that kind of happy medium. But then actually you need to, one, lead by example and actually do it. So like if if I'm not taking any holiday, no one else is going to feel comfortable taking holiday or any of the senior team really. And two, actually encouraging people. So like there's someone on our team, I'm like, you're working really hard. You've, yeah, you've booked a couple of things, but you need to take more. Like, so we have like a bare minimum. <laughs> like you need to take, and that's, I don't, as a minimum, you should be taking 28, 29 days, like minimum. And beyond that, great. It's just about being sensible adults overall and not not doing something where you just know you're going to screw others over. But yeah, as I say, it's, it's, it's ongoing. I got friends who are testing like the four-day week in agencies and stuff, which is, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing that yet. But it's really interesting to see how stuff's just going to change and develop. But I do think with a lot of stuff, we're kind of, some of the things we consider normal were designed for like the industrial revolution and actually people should be judged on output versus hours clocked in because it doesn't necessarily mean we're being effective or or successful in inverted commas either so yeah we'll see how it all pans out love it yeah i think i think it really magnifies the culture in a company as well like obviously if everyone fucking hates their job 
then if you don't do it on holiday, you know, people are going to take the piss and it's not going to work. But if people, you were saying earlier, like getting the right people in and if they are like really want to, you know, are running the show basically, then they're, they're probably the best place people to, you know, figure out if this is a good idea or figure out with the team how to coordinate it. I think when it's too top down, it doesn't work. But like you said as well, sometimes people do need encouragement. But yeah, I think you going to a desert island for 10 days is a great way to encourage Hopefully. it yeah I think yeah so. no one else has done that yet but i would yeah. <laughs> uh, i'll link them up if they want to and yeah it's just yeah it's, all this stuff's interesting but i think doing something like that you come back like right raring to go sometimes you need that that little system reboot to come back and be like i'm ready to attack this now and i've got new ideas and like a new almost zest for you missed up a bit i kind of you missed the hustle and bustle and the interaction and the making things happen and persuading like talent to do something that they might not have otherwise considered so i think it's good when people come back they come back fresh and kind of really dialed in and ready to go yeah yeah. there's a polish company called mudita that make kind of you know like uh, light phone type things mm. basic phones so trying to get people to be more unplugged and the, the they have a policy that anyone can take up off as much time as possible to kind of do vipassana retreats so, so they're like particularly trying yeah, to get yeah. their employees to do that so i think that kind of thing have is, you done one uh, i did one in march actually first oh. first one i uh it was, it was tough. I found it much harder than I thought I would. The the first retreat I did just came out with such a like halo effect. Mm. So I think I went into this one with like sky high expectations. Yeah, yeah. It's all going to be like rainbows and fairies, and it was tough. Yeah. So I think it's one of those what you're saying, which is I'm now far enough away. I'm like, yeah, that was great. I definitely want to do that again. But I think I'd like to do the something like what you did uh, next rather than. Should do it. Honestly, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll message you. I feel you like you're holding back this, Ben. There's something like you got bitten by a snake or something. You've been too too positive about the desert island. Like, would Hector be alright? But there's I mean, one he's, thing. He's, like, he's tougher than me. I'm not gonna... No, I think I I don't know. Um, but I'm sure you could. I feel like from other things I've seen, you would you would get a job done. But the one thing I found out in afterwards. So the t- the team at attachment were like, oh, you, we have like a little Thursday slot where someone does a presents about whatever they want to do, and they're like what the hell happened? Like we, I hadn't done the video or anything yeah, at this point. So I was like, oh, let me, let me just quit, like an hour before put together a presentation. And I, what did I say? Oh, about trusting your instincts. One of the fish I caught, I was like, I've hit gold here. It's big. I'm eating good tonight. And I, there's just something about it. When I got out of the sea, it was just like a lot bigger and hard. It's just texture wise. It was most fish are like kind of fleshy. This was hard, but I, I, don't, I don't know anything about fish. There's no, you don't get any training before you go and do this thing. Uh-huh. You can eat this. You can't. They're just like, good luck, my friend. Um, and anyway, I, I showed, um, a, a few days later after I got off the island, I showed like a local fisherman, a, a picture of it. Cause I was like, I just didn't eat it. Cause it didn't feel when he was like, no, 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 no. Again, no English. I was like, oh, didn't think anything of it. Did this little presentation internally. And one of the guys on our team used Google lens to see what the fish was. Turns out it's this like crazy, toxic puffer fish. If you eat it, I think it was 1200 times more toxic than cyanide. <laughs> 0.02 milligrams is enough to kill a human and there's no known antidote. So obviously I didn't know any of this and I'm pretty chill guy. So I'm like, what was meant to be was meant to be. But like, had I just eaten a bit of that fish, like I probably would have died. <laughs> so there's stuff like that where actually, like it's pretty dangerous if you're not Because you were so many hours away from help as well, right? So you're taking one bite of that fish. Apparently, was, yeah. yeah. From, from some intense Googling, it's like <laughs> 45 minutes to two hours and it's like cardiac arrest type territory so no and there were, there were a few things like that. i fell out with a coconut tree and there were a few like rogue moments but in hindsight they're like the best stories of the kind of things that that make it but C- coconut trees get big i mean how how big are we talking because they go 
I wish I had it on video because yeah, it, it, it was horrendous one. at the time, but like it would have been quite funny to look like <laughs> on now. There was one tree for those watching the video that kind of like came out slightly yeah. uh, like a bit, a bit of an angle. So you could shimmy up at it. Anyway, I spent ages, I won't go through the whole story, but like ages trying to get some coconut sauce. I was up there with a knife, just like soaring away for so long. And then when I came back round, I kind of had to like swing round and I lost my... I fell off basically, but I grabbed on. So I was like clinging on, but it was quite a thick tree and I was pretty weak as well. So I shimmied down as much as I could and eventually I was like, I just can't hold on anymore. And I just fell and just landed flat on my back in the sand. <laughs> I was just there like winded. Like, oh. Anyway, fortunately, like there weren't loads of rocks there. It could have been a lot worse, but I was just like, this is a real wake up call. Just slow down, think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, and just stop making like really brash, quick decisions about stuff because... You could have, I could have come down that tree backwards and really take it, wouldn't have been particularly comfortable, but it would have been safe. So, there are a few things like in hindsight, had it gone in a very slightly different direction, I could have eaten that fish or had a really bad fall, and it would have been really problematic. Um, but fortunately, it wasn't, so <laughs> we're here today, we're all good. And what's what's next? I mean, it sounds like life for you is just going with the flow, which I love, but like, what, what, are, what are the next few years look like? Good, deep question. In truth, I don't know. Um, I'm excited about moving house. I think like I'm a London guy through and through and I'll still be in London at least twice a week. So not, not removed, but yeah, there's something about, I think there's a life stage where you're like, okay, cool. A bit more space. I've always wanted dogs. Just like little things like, um, so yeah, fingers crossed, touch wood, pre-Christmas will, we would have uh, got a new environment in that sense. And yeah, we'll need to like build a new community there. My grandma's up there, but other than that, we don't really know anyone. So that's kind of a fun like experiment almost of like okay cool how do you go somewhere completely new we don't know people and build a network of hopefully interesting like-minded people who we'd want to hang out with uh business is exciting as well who knows what the next few years will be we just kind of continue scaling those and doing fun stuff with fun people and outside of work just like be a good dad be a good partner uh, but yeah i'm kind of looking for uh, the next challenge it might not be like in the same vein as that exactly but i do think having something each calendar year to think about or train for or just have as a a moment in that year is, is a good idea so yeah I've got a few mates doing like a half marathon and bits and bobs but I've not really I'm not sure yet to be I honest I saw you doing pull-ups at the desert island <laughs> there. so maybe it could be the, the Goggins pull-up challenge maybe maybe yeah. what's his challenge I think he doesn't hold it anymore but he used to have the most amount of pull-ups in 24 hours 3,000 wow. something or, I don't know something ridiculous obviously uh you know hands destroyed at the end but yeah I could yeah. do about 10. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we get to. But yeah, any ideas, I'm, I'm all ears. Nice one. Well, that's probably a, a, a good place to kind of wrap up better. We squeezed a lot in that uh, sort of nearly hour. Um, maybe tell everyone where they can find you and uh, your different kind of ventures and passions and how to get involved, how to chat to you or whatever. Yeah, normal, normal channels, to be honest. Bensalgana.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter or X or... Yeah, but if anyone's got questions about the island specifically or want to want book recommendations on anything just hit me up or ideas for what to do next yeah yeah i'm honestly <laughs> quite open so no no plans or thoughts as yet but yeah if you've got something in 2024 or a group thing yeah i'm i'm, I'm game for, for something fun and challenging love it mate well a real joy to have you on so Thank thanks you. for thanks coming in my pleasure cheers guys thanks so much mate really, really. Cause you pray never for life ends.